as we were worshiping, I just had one of my favorite Old Testament scripture verses just rolling through my mind. It just says this. The psalmist said, one thing I've desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. One thing, he said, and that will I seek. It's so good to be with you today, and really want to say thank you to the worship team for this the, just lifting up Jesus. So as we lift him up, his presence comes down and we can begin to really uh, sense what he is doing in our lives. This is my wife, Judy, if you'd stand. My adventurous wife. What you, what you don't know about her is that she used to work in Brother Stacy Klein's department, the dean's department, when they, I, I'm not sure what it's called now, but it was deans back then, and she was the dean of women. And the women here feared her. I just want to say, she was, she was tough. She was tough. Well, it's always good to be back on campus. I don't recognize most of your faces, and you don't recognize mine. I retired from uh, my position over at the fellowship uh, last year, almost two years ago now. And uh, before that, I was walking around campus, and I knew most people, but now the faces have changed, and you're wondering, who is this guy, and why did they let him in this building today? I'll tell you why, because Pastor Mike is a very smart man. He knew what was going to happen this weekend, and he decided he was going on vacation. And I want to just say to all the international students and for all those who come from warmer climates, I do apologize for a November 12th snowstorm. This really is not normal. But uh, So for those of you who are freezing, uh, if I could do anything about it, believe me, I would, but all my complaining hasn't changed the weather. It stays the same. I'd like to talk to you today about something that I, I believe is... Um, <clears throat> I believe in one way or another, it's very much on your mind. And uh, your time here at Elam is a time to decipher, to discern, and to figure out what it is God is saying to you as an individual. We know certain things, the Bible is there, and, it, and there's all kinds of things that we're to read and, and apply to our lives. But he has a specific call uh, and purposes for each one of our lives. And so while you're here and you're studying and you're waiting upon the Lord and all of that, the, the idea is that you would somehow uh, have an understanding of what God was directing you to. So when your day comes to leave campus and go on with your life, that you will know what it is you're supposed to do. As a pastor, probably the, in one way or another, the most common uh, question that I have been asked uh, about from different people is, how, how can I know the will of God? I mean, is that even, is that even, can we really even know it? Or is it just one of those things that you just kind of grope and hope for? There's a song that comes from back, I believe it was the 80s. <clears throat> you probably don't know it. Uh, it was written by a guy named Paul Simon, who you might not know either. The name of the song, though, was Slip Sliding Away. Uh, and one of, the, one of the phrases out of that song was this. It says, God only knows and God makes his plans the information is unavailable to the mortal man. Yeah, that's, that's Paul Simon's take on what, whatever God is doing, he's not letting us in on it. He's just up there and it's a very mystical thing. Uh, the world, that's the view of the world if they believe in God at all. And sadly, I think that's the view of many, many Christians. I just don't know. I don't know if I can know. 
But I would like to point you to what Jesus says in John chapter 10. I'm going to read several verses, uh, verse 2 through 4 and then verse 16. And here's what Jesus, and now Paul Simon's wrong, because here's what Jesus said. He says, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. If you're one of his sheep, you should be hearing his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. They hear his voice. They know his voice. They recognize him. And then in verse 17, or 16, it says, And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The sheep will hear my voice, they will know my voice, and again, they will hear my voice. So whatever, regardless of what the world says, regardless of what Paul Simon says, Jesus said, if you're one of mine, you should be hearing my voice. There ought to be this, this sense that God is speaking. And um, so that's just a little background. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is where we want to camp for a little while. And you probably know these verses, but let's go through them this morning and see what God will do with us. And Romans 12, 1 and 2, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed or be being transformed. And it's an ongoing process. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So in, this, in these two verses, there's, there is a lot. And, in, and we would like to look at the end where we would know what is this good and acceptable and perfect will. But in order to know that, we need to position ourselves in, a, in the right place so that we are able to recognize his voice when he speaks. I believe a lot of times he's speaking and we just don't recognize what he is saying. And there's reasons for that. And these might be some of them. The first thing it says is that we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice. That whole idea of a living sacrifice has with it something that maybe, uh, maybe by presenting yourself to him, you realize that he is the one that gets to do what he wants with you. I've heard people say, <clears throat> many times I've heard people say, well, I, I would never do that. I, wouldn't, I would never go there. I, would, I, I won't give up that relationship. I won't put that money in the I won't, and I won't, and I won't. And so he says... He says that in order for us to hear or to know what the good will of God is, the first thing we have to do is we have to lay down all of the I wants in our lives. To say, I will do what he wants me to do. And, some of the, and I will preface all of this by saying, even if what he wants you to do is not what you want to do in the beginning, if you will do it, you will find wonderful fulfillment in doing it. But going in, it's, it's not always... It's not always easy. Sometimes, I'll give you a good example that's happening right now. I retired. I was down in Wellsville, and we, my wife and I are launching this little ministry that we're doing, a ministry to pastors and missionaries, and we're having a great time. And then this church, all of a sudden, approaches me and says, we need a pastor for a time. Will you, will you consider doing that? My first instinct was no. No, no, that's not at all what I'm looking for. But as we prayed about it, we realized God was saying, no, for right now, this is what I want you to do. It was not what I sought. It was not what I chose, would have chosen, but 
I realized it's what God wanted. So there's sometimes there's this need just to, to say whatever it is you want. It's a dangerous prayer. I'll do whatever you want. The old hymn, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. We sing songs like that, and uh, we just think they're songs, but God is taking them seriously. And so in your life, there could be some things that you have said, I would never do that. I won't go there. I will not serve in that capacity. I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. And so we are not, if we're in that position, if that's where we are, we're not, we're not positioned to actually, actually receive what God is saying should he begin to speak to us. In James 4.3, it says this. It says, and when you, when you do ask, when you're praying, you don't receive because you're asking with the wrong motives. So there's, there's this sense of self in us that really rises to the top a lot. And, and the first part of Romans 12 says, Brethren, you need to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Your bodies means if you, your body is, is presented, so is your soul, and so is your spirit. In Acts chapter 22, I won't read the whole thing, but, uh, but Saul of Tarsus, he was on his way to persecute Christians. That was his mission in life. He hated the church. He hated the name of Jesus. And he was going to go and make everybody's life miserable as he could. And on the way, he has an encounter with Jesus. And so he's on, he, there's a, a voice from heaven and a light shines and all that. And, 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 uh, and this voice comes and says to Saul, he says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And the first question that Saul asked this voice was, who are you? Who, who, who's speaking to me? And the answer was, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. And then he said, the second question was, what shall I do? And he received instructions to go, and that, cha that changed his whole life. Everything he did from that point on was absolutely, entirely different. The first question we need to ask is, Lord, who are you? Are you really Lord? You know, it is said, two words that never go together are, uh, that makes sense is no Lord, because if you say he is Lord, you really can't say no. And if, he's, if you say no, then he's really not your Lord. So he said, who are you <clears throat> and what shall I do? And so these are questions that we need to ask right now. I, I'm, before we're done today, we're going to pray about this just a little bit right at the very end. But if there is something that, that maybe you're even struggling with right now and there's a little tension because, because maybe you feel God is taking you into something that you're not, you're not really on board with yet. You really would prefer not to do that. You really would rather not go that direction. I, I would suggest that today you prepare yourself to lay that down and just let God have his way with you. You will, you will go through all kinds of exciting, adventurous times if you do, but you will never regret it. So the first thing is that we are to present ourselves. And then the second thing is, it says here, and in the first part of 12.2, it says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed or be being transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, we come into, through our culture, through family, through just, just being human beings, we, we have a, a mindset that directs how we do just about everything. And, 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 and when you're first coming to know the Lord, like almost everything is contrary to what you've, you've come to, to understand. I mean, we are very much 
into self-defense and self-reliance and all of that stuff. But it says here that we are to be transformed. The transformation comes as we renew our minds. We renew our minds by being in the presence of the Lord and being in the Word of God. That's how we renew our minds. But in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8, we see these words. Very powerful and very important words that Paul gave us in these verses. He says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So there's two different things here. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because, and if you underline in your Bible, you might want to underline this if you haven't already, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, nor, or, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So we, if, we are, if we have a carnal mindset, in other words, as you read the Bible, you see all kinds of things that really are not, they're not intuitive to us. They're not normal. For example, the greatest among you will be the servant of all. That is not the way the world works. The world works. If you want to be great, you crawl over everybody else. That's how you get there. There's too much of that in the church. But if you're going to be in the kingdom of God and you're going to do it his way, you're going to learn to serve. And in serving, he will lift you up. He says if you want more, you give away. That's what he said. Give and it shall be given. So the things of the kingdom of God are counterintuitive to, the, to our minds. And so what we have to do when, when I read, when I do my reading in the morning, I read my Bible... And I go through something and I find something there and I realize that I'm not quite there yet. So I have to stop and I have to say, Lord, you know what? This is not, this is a struggle for me right here. What you just said is a struggle. And, and I, I just want to confess to you that in this area, I need to be transformed. And so I'm submitting to this. I ask you to help me and so on. And so in other words, I'm willing to let him change the way I think about things. You don't come into this, into this Christian life with all the right ideas. There's a lot of things that are very worldly, very carnal, and it takes a lifetime for him to work those out. It's, when you get out of Elam, I don't know if anybody's told you this or not, but you're not going to be quite perfect yet. You know, There's still going to be a little room for something to happen in you that is going to make you more like Christ, which is the which is the whole idea. I had a, a, a circumstance, a situation I found myself, and this was quite, this was many, many years ago now, but it, I'm sharing it now because it was so pivotal to me in, in, in this whole principle that I'm sharing. And I was part of a church. I wasn't the pastor of the church. I was a relatively young Christian at the time. And, uh, and we had a pastor who um, began to get off into some strange things. He, he began to... Um, have meetings with what he called the angel of the Lord in his van. And he would come out of his van with these revelations. And the revelations were weird. I don't, I don't want to just go into it, but it was just, it was weird. And the whole thing was weird. And when he would talk about it, everybody would feel weird. And uh, so I went to him and uh, and I said to him, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call his name Phil, okay? And, and I, so I went to him and I said, I said, Phil, I said, this is, this is what you're doing is nuts. 
You know, this, this meeting with the angel of the Lord, is, the angel of the Lord is an Old Testament theophany of Jesus Christ. We have Jesus Christ today. We don't need the angel of the Lord. You don't have to be in the van to do it, you know. And so anyhow, this, this put us in, in conflict with one another. And I wouldn't stop, because that's, that's one of my problems in my life is I don't know how to stop. And I wouldn't stop, and I just, I just kept saying this is wrong, and it finally ended up with a church meeting. And it was probably the most uh, difficult congregational meeting I have ever been at in my whole life. It was absolutely horrible. And the whole thing on the table was whether or not this guy this Phil was going to remain the pastor or not. That was where it was at. And my agreement with him was, if, if the church says they want you as pastor, I will go away. But if they say no, then you go away. So we had that agreement. And uh, as I said, it was, it was horrible. We had prophets stand up on one side of the church and prophesy against people on the other side of the church. And then they would have their prophets, and they would stand up. And it was just, it was it was. Oh, I don't know if you've ever been in a bad church meeting, but if you have, multiply that by 100, and that's what this was. It was just, it was horrible. Well, at the end of it, the, there were enough people that wanted him to stay as pastor, and so he stayed on, and I, I left. Now, there's something happened. This guy really was a friend of mine until all of this. We, we got along. We liked each other. And I knew I was going to run into him. You ever have something against somebody and you know one of these days you're going to come down the aisle at Walmart and they're going to be standing there? And it's going to be a very awkward moment. And so I realize that I'm going to bump into him. There's no way I'm not going to bump into him. And I was, I was just not looking forward to that. And so I'm praying about this, this uneasiness that I had. I was, I was not at peace at all. And so I'm praying, mostly I'm praying that God would show the other guy what he needed to do, you know, because I thought it was all on him. And the Lord spoke to me, and this is, where, this is where it ran right into my carnal mind. The Lord said to me, I want you to go to him and ask for forgiveness. And I'm thinking, that ain't going to happen. There's no way. I am right Anybody ever know you sometimes? And, and even now, looking back after all these years, I'm still right. I'm not, I wasn't wrong. So I said, no, this, is, this can't be God. This is not the answer to my uneasiness at all. I'm not doing it. And no. And so days turned into weeks, and I'm trying to change the subject but God has one subject he wants to talk to me about, and that is this. So nothing, I'm trying to read the Bible, that's not working. I try to pray, all I hear is go and ask for forgiveness, and, and I'm, I'm saying no, and I'm pushing back. And finally, at the end of about six months, six, six months I went through this. Somebody said to me, somebody, I asked somebody once, you know, what, what's the most important thing God said to you? And he said the last thing. You know, when God speaks to you, the last thing he said is that that's where he's at, and that's what he wants you to respond to. And so after about six months, I finally said, okay, I will do it. And uh, so I, I, as soon as I had a chance, I got in my car. It was about a 40, 45-minute drive to his house. So I'm driving along, and, you know, I'm waiting for the, 
the last minute, you know, the, the Abraham and Isaac and the ram in the thicket court sort of thing. You know, that now that God saw that I was actually willing to do this, he was not going to make me do it. You know, the, the governor's reprieve, you know, at, at a minute to, to execution time, the phone rings and the governor says, don't pull the switch. But as I got closer and closer, he didn't, he didn't do that. Finally, I pulled into his driveway, and I sat in the car for a little while just to give the Lord a couple extra minutes because sometimes I thought maybe he wasn't, he was busy or something. And really, I said, no, I, 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 so I got out and knocked on the door. And Phil comes out, and he looks at me. He gives me the coldest, I don't like you looks that anybody could give somebody, and he says, well, what do you want? And I said, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to talk to you. He said, okay. I said, I'd like to talk to you inside your house. You know, would you let me in? So he let me in, and we went, and he sat in his living room, and he said, what do you want? And I said, Phil, I said, uh, some things happened between us, and in the process, I, I really hurt you, and I never wanted to hurt you. That was not my intention to hurt you, and I came to ask for forgiveness. And he didn't want to forgive me, but, but I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to leave until he did. So after a while, he kind of realized that if I ever want to get Tom out of my house, I'm going to have to say the words he wants to hear. So he said, I forgive you. When I said to him, though, I'm really sorry, he kind of folded his arms, kind of leaned back, looked very um, happy, very satisfied. And he said, I knew you'd come around. And I said, Phil, I said, I'm not here to talk about the issue that, that caused this. I said, it, I, I haven't really changed much on the issue. What I'm saying to you is I hurt you. I didn't want to hurt you. And I'm really sorry. And I really need your forgiveness. And so finally I went on my way. And I don't believe he was sincere at all when he said I forgive you. But he said it. and it was a, I had to settle for that. And when I got in my car and I went home, drove home, I realized for the first time in six months how free I was at that moment. How absolutely free. I didn't care if I ran into him at Walmart or any place else. I had done all I could do to settle things with him. You know, that was so contrary to everything going on in my brain. My brain is saying, you're right, he's the one who needs to apologize, it's on him, and I'll wait for him to come. The Lord says, no, not in my kingdom. That's not how you're going to operate. And Tom, if you want to go on with me, you're going to go and you're going to ask that man to forgive you. Well, a few years went by and I got a call from him. And he said to me, he said, he said, of all the people that were involved in that mess, he said, you were the only one who ever came and, and tried to make it right with me. And he said, I want to let you know, I'm looking back and I, I appreciate that. And he said, would you come and preach in my church? Now, this is a miracle because he had banned me from the church. I could never come back. So I said, yeah, I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to. So I went and I preached against the angel of the Lord in the vans. No, I didn't really do that. Um, I, I just went back and I preached a nice message and, and all that and, and, and went out for lunch and had a good day with him. And uh, it was wonderful. I, I really didn't know at that point whether or not he had changed his theology or what. I don't know. But we had a wonderful day. Then I lost track of him. And uh, Facebook is like a two-edged sword. It can be really, really horrible, but it can be good, too. 
And so I was, one day, for whatever reason, I just started looking around to see if I could find him. And I found him on Facebook, and he was pastoring a church out in Texas someplace. So I messaged him, and I said, hey, Phil, it's Tom, and found you on Facebook. And he wrote back, hey, how are you doing? And we had this, we had this back and forth for about a year or two, and then, um, and then uh, he died of cancer. He just passed away. This is, actually, it was just probably about maybe three or four years ago he had died of cancer. And as, as I thought about it, I thought how, how great it was that I, I made things right with him while he was around and not have to wait until heaven, because I do think he's going to heaven, uh, not wait until heaven to tell him that I was sorry. And I was thankful to the Lord, not only for the thing that happened years and years ago and, and having a free and open relationship with him, that, but that when he passed on that I didn't have the regrets of holding back on what he was directing me to do. Now, this might sound like a big thing to you. It might sound like a little thing to you. I don't really know. But for me, it was a pivotal moment when I realized that for me to say to God, I, I'm not doing that. It, that's, that's a losing argument. If I want to go on with him, if I really want to grow, if I want to know what it is that he wants from me, I need to position myself by, first of all, submitting myself to him, laying down my personal agenda, and then allowing him, through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, to change the way I think. And I actually have made some progress over the years in this. I think I probably think more like a kingdom man now than I did 10 years or 20 years or 30 years ago. But I'm still in the process because there's things that still come out that just aren't what he wants. And so, so uh, that's, that's, the, that's the beautiful thing about, about submitting yourself to him and letting him change your mind. If we don't let him change our minds when he says something to us that is his will... We won't receive it because it's contrary to what we're thinking. We have got to have a change in the way we think or we're not going to be able to even recognize his will if he, if he gives it to us. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are your ways. My ways, says the Lord, for as, as, the, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I believe that's true. I believe that's true. And in, in, as I allow the Lord to, to take this carnal mind, this thing that in the natural is enmity against God, that it says concerning my carnal mind that those who have that, they, they, they cannot please God. If I, if I allow him to change this and allow, allow myself to trust him enough to just say, I'm ready to hear whatever you want me to do, and I'm ready to, I'm submitted to you, I'm, my personal agenda, I, I put it aside. All I want from you, dear Lord, is to hear your voice and be able by your grace to do what it is you tell me to do. And we're going to begin to hear him say things to us about, about sometimes you think they're, they're kind of picayune things. Some of the things the Lord brings to my mind, I'm thinking, you're the king of the universe. Is this, is this really what you want to talk about? This is no big thing. But for him, it's a big thing because he sees something in my life that he wants to deal with. And if, he, if I allow him to deal with that, I will make a step 
more into the kingdom. I will think more like a kingdom person. I will behave more like a kingdom person. And so we should, we should anticipate that God is going to speak to us things that are in the, when they first come, they might seem foreign to us. Now, we have the word of God, the objective standard. We have different things to, to discern whether or not it, it, it could be God. But we are liable to think that is, like with me, go and ask for forgiveness when I'm right. I mean, it's hard enough to ask for forgiveness when you're wrong. But to ask for forgiveness when you're right is a very, very difficult thing. Maybe not for you. Maybe you've licked that. But for me, very, very difficult. But I've learned that if he says, you know what, you had a conflict with someone, I want you to go and tell them you're sorry for any harm or anything that happened, I, I, I just do that. It's not worth the fight to try to tell him he's wrong because he, he, he actually believes he knows what he's talking about. So the third thing it says, it says after we have, we have offered ourselves a living sacrifice, that's something you do. It's not something that's done to you. That's something you do. That's your choice. That's, that's up to you. You can spend your whole life not, not doing that, or you can spend your whole life doing that. And I would recommend that you offer yourself, even this morning if you need to, and as many times hereafter as you, as you have to. As somebody said, you, you know, I, I'm, I, I offer myself as a living sacrifice, but I keep crawling off the altar. You know, so that kind of happens, that you have to go back again and again. Once we offer ourselves... I'll go, I'll do whatever you want. You're the boss. And then we allow him to change our mind. It says, then you will know that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you don't do those two, it follows that you will not know that good and acceptable and perfect will. And so for those who might be even now asking the Lord, Lord, the graduation's coming. I got a life ahead of me. I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm in a relationship. I don't know. Is this your will? I, whatever it might be, uh, you, you, need to be you need to be in a submitted place, and you need to let him speak into your brain things that are, might be contrary to where you began. By surrendering our personal agenda and renewing our minds, we are actually just positioning ourselves to hear him when he speaks. And if we're not positioned, even if he does speak, we probably won't hear him say it. We, we, we will reject it. Present yourself, which is lay down your agenda to embrace his, renew your mind through the word of God and with the help of the Holy Spirit, and then you can know the will of God. And if you're not properly positioned, you won't be able to hear or understand even when he does speak. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I want to read one more time, and then we're going to, we're going to close. I'm going to read from the J.B. Phillips translation. I, I like this translation. He says this. He says, with eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, is an act of intelligent worship to give him your bodies as a living sacrifice consecrated to him and acceptable by him. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your mind from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands, and moves towards the goal of maturity. So before we pray, I just want to throw out several questions for you.
to ask yourself, um, are you willing to surrender yourself to God? <laughs> you never know where he's going to take you. Are you willing to allow him to change the way you think from a human perspective to the kingdom of God perspective? Are you currently struggling right now with knowing the will of God? Would you stand with me? I just want to pray and dismiss you. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we just bring ourselves before you. We present ourselves to you right now. This 12th day of November. Maybe we've done it many times before. We might have to do it again. But Lord, today, right now, at this moment, we say to you, Lord, here we are. Whatever you want, wherever you want us to go, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do. And Lord, I pray that there would be a, a, a working of the Spirit of God through the Word of God to help me to think differently than the world thinks. I want to think like you want me to think. And Lord, I want to know what your will and your purpose is for me. And so, Lord, I am open to you. I'm thankful to you, Lord, in Jesus' name.